if you are new, um, we don't always play really cheesy, lame songs like that. Um, that's not what we're about. Uh, but we are about community and mission and, uh, and purpose, and we want to help you find that. And if uh, you're new, I'd love to meet you. Uh, I'll be out in the lobby afterwards by the door. If you want to fill out a connection card and turn that into guest services, we will get a free gift into your hand, which will either be a, a bridge t-shirt, which Adam back there has it on. Adam has that shirt on. If we don't have your size, we'll give you a backpack. So we have uh, something like that to give you uh, on your way out. Cool. Um, a couple things I want to tell you guys that's coming up. Uh, number one, this summer, August 10 to 13, we are going on a houseboat trip. So we hope to have some, uh, uh, like a kind of a promo for you soon. Um, but you can't sign up yet. You'll be able to sign up midnight, April 2nd. So April 2nd, as soon as it hits midnight, April 2nd, you can register right away. The reason I'm saying that is because we have very, very, very limited spots, and I'm not guaranteed to get more. So you want to sign up ASAP. Uh, those of you guys that went last week, uh, or last week, yeah, we go on it every week. It's awesome. We just houseboated all the time. <laughs> Castaic Lake, it's great. My pool. I don't have a pool. Uh, but it is awesome. It's, uh, if you're looking for community, I promise you will find it on this trip. You can't go anywhere except uh, wakeboarding and stuff like that, but uh, you will, they will be your best friends at the end of it, I promise. It's going to be great. Cool? So sign up April 2nd. Uh, also, this summer, we are uh, kicking off our new class of interns. So if you are interested in interning uh, here at Real Life Church, we uh, have 12 positions available, um, and that ranges from uh, uh, here at the bridge to children's ministry, high school, junior high, outreach, uh, life group department, Celebrate Recovery. Uh, we also have production slash programming. Um, we have uh, uh, we also have worship. We have uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm forgetting all of them right now. So we have a lot of different opportunities. If you want to go to the website reallifechurch.org/intern, um, then you can get all the information. Some of it's already out of date a little bit because we've tweaked the program uh, to make it even better. Um, but it is a paid internship. Um, it's roughly minimum wage, and uh, it's only about 12, 12 to 15 hours a week. So you can do it if you uh, have another part-time job or you're in school. Um, if you have just questions about it, come talk to me or talk to Issa or Danielle or one of the other interns, and they can tell you all about it. Um, but it's a really, really great program, and I uh, would love for you guys to apply now because we're in the hiring process. So cool. Uh, also, we do something on Tuesday nights called Open Community Group. So last week we canceled it because it was raining. Uh, uh, it's not supposed to rain tomorrow, so we will be doing open community group at the patio of undergrounds. So uh, Tuesday, sorry, not tomorrow. Did I say tomorrow? Whatever. Today's Sunday. Uh, I just like to skip Mondays. Uh, just going straight to Tuesday. Everyone hates Mondays. Uh, so Tuesday night, 7 p.m. at the patio. If you are just somebody going like, yeah, I'm looking for community. Uh, I'm not in a life group right now, or it's my first time here. I'm looking to kind of a next step of just plugging into some people. Come check that out. 7 o'clock, really fun, non-threatening. We just talk about topics. I think this topic this week will be on fear. Um, so if you want to come check that out, it'll be a great conversation. It's just about the topic of fear. And like Boogeyman will jump out and Walking Dead comes out. It's really cool. I'm just kidding. That's not happening. Uh, what else? Okay, so we are in this series uh, called Unwritten. And what we've been doing about this is uh, it's a series where we're giving you the vote. We're giving you the opportunity to vote for what I or another, uh, somebody we bring in, uh, teaches on. Last week, my buddy Dave, you guys enjoyed Dave last week? <clears throat> um, 
Last week, he talked about uh, racial injustice, and uh, he did a great job of delivering that message, and uh, you guys voted on that. Um, and so uh, what we're doing with it is an opportunity for you to uh, text in your vote. And so if you want to vote for next week's topic, which next week's topic is habits, and you can text A, B, C, or D based on which one you want to hear about next week. So go back. Go back and push pause. Uh, habits. Breaking bad. How do I break bad habits? I just keep, I keep living in these bad habits, and I don't know how to break them. So you text your vote, 321-234-3123, and text A, B, C, or D. Uh, or maybe it's the habits of Jesus. What kind of habits did Jesus have? I want to know what are things that he did. I, I, we want to be like Jesus, being a Christian. That's what it looks like. C, spiritual disciplines, or what we call holy habits. What are spiritual disciplines? What are some ones that we can practice uh, in tangible ways? To, not Jay-Z, lazy. Uh, if you are just feeling like, man, I try to create habits, but I just can't. I always give up. It's like New Year's resolutions, or maybe some of you guys for Lent tried to give up caffeine, and you're like, oh, I'm addicted, and I can't stop it, or whatever. Um, and so you just kind of feel like it's laziness is the problem, and you just want to hear about how to break that power, because laziness in and of itself is a habit. If you are lazy, it's because you are habitually lazy, and you need to break that habit. So text your vote. That will stay live uh, until about midnight tonight, probably even push it into tomorrow. So if you want to text that number out to people um, and, and post it on social media, uh, we'll post it up there later tonight so you guys can share that and get your vote out. Um, and seriously, vote. Okay, I know there's, like, there's always like 80 to 100 people in here, and I get like 30 or 40 votes. And so actually this week... Uh, was something that was like, man, only 10 people as of Sunday night had voted for what I'm going to talk about tonight. And I was like, hey, can we get the word out a little more so that not just 10 people are the ones that are deciding what I teach on? Uh, what, so it's important. And I get it. You're millennials, and you're like, our vote doesn't count. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it does. It does count. It does matter. Because when they are pretty similar, I actually try to incorporate both of them. Um, so please vote. Uh, our next phase of, this, uh, uh, of the way that we're doing this is to give you uh, other materials, other teaching, video teaching, blogs, stuff like that on the other subjects so that you can say, oh, now I'm going to get to hear my, uh, the one that I voted on. Cool. Also, if you want to, uh, after tonight's message, if you want to receive the devotional, it's a one-week devotional. Um, if you're already doing the Lent one, great. If you want to do another one, you can do this one. Um, you can text the word prayer to that same number, 321-234-3123. Just text the word prayer, and you'll get a seven-day devotional. Here's the important part about that I don't think I've mentioned yet, and some of you guys are like, I do it, and then it stops sending me stuff or sends me the same one. You have to click done at the bottom of it. So when you get the text and it shows up and you open it, you read uh, the devotional, and then it has a green button that says done. You have to push done, and it tells you then you can get the next text the following day. Cool? So it's a really cool thing. You can set up a time you want it to send you. If you're just kind of like, I don't know how to get into the habit of, uh, uh, of praying or of reading a, my Bible, this is a really easy way for you to, use to do that. Cool? So uh, as we talk about tonight, uh, our, the, t the subject tonight is dangerous prayers, and you guys voted for make me more like Jesus, make me more like you. So we're going to talk about that as soon as this video is done. Speak the words on your lips. 
So, is the move going out? Are you good? We're good. Okay. So, uh, dangerous prayers. What was I talking about? Why did we want to do this subject? What's this about? Um, Dangerous prayers are basically prayers that have tremendous impact on our daily life, right? So, we all pray. Hopefully, if if you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, and Jesus says, okay, I want you to pray, uh, and so we pray. Maybe some of us uh, really like to pray. Some of us hate praying because we feel like maybe our prayers, quote unquote, hit the ceiling, and we don't know what to do, and we just kind of like repeating the same prayer or whatever. Um, dangerous prayers are prayers that uh, when you pray them, watch out. So if you pray something like, Lord, I just want to be more like you, this is a really dangerous prayer. Some of the other options that we talked about that we gave you as a vote were things like, uh, you know, break my heart for what breaks yours, which was actually the second most and is pretty close. So I will share a little bit about that tonight because I think that if you want to be more like Jesus, you want to be more like God, then your heart needs to break for what breaks his, right? And so these prayers have tremendous impact on our daily life, which following Jesus should. It should impact your daily life. Now, some of you guys may have grown up uh, as a Christian or following Jesus in your family, and so you really don't know anything but this lifestyle, um, and so you're just always kind of growing in your relationship with God. But for some of you guys, this is brand new to you. Um, And so uh, the idea of even an unscripted prayer like, uh, God, make me more like you, or even to pray that. Can I even pray that? Can I be like God? What does that mean? Does that mean to be God-like? Do I get magical powers? What does that mean? Uh, And so we're going to talk about that tonight. Why is this a dangerous prayer? And realistically, uh, we all want to be like Jesus. And I would say if you are somebody who voted for this and you're like, yes, of course I'm going to be like Jesus, a great place to start is the series we've been doing at Real Life on Sunday mornings and Thursday night uh, by, that Rusty's been doing and, and some other speakers we've had in, is our series, This Is Jesus. It's a series we've been going through for the last six, seven weeks, and it's a great series. And if you want to be like Jesus, you can start there. Go back and look at, look at, watch the archives of all, those, of all those messages if you haven't seen them yet, and you can go to our website or our app and do that. Um, but we all want to be like Jesus. I mean, that, that's something that if you say... I, even if you're not a Christian, you would say, yeah, I, I respect this guy, Jesus. I, that's why I've come here tonight. Um, and sure, I think it'd be great to be more like him. But what does that mean? What does that look like? And so does that mean we get to walk on water if we become like Jesus? I think that'd be pretty cool. Uh, or we become just extremely helpful or useful or just really, really wise. I think these are all things that we would really appreciate. But what does it mean for us to be like Jesus? I think we want to pray that until we really learn what that means. And all of a sudden, when we learn what that means, it becomes a dangerous prayer, and are we ready for that? So I came across in my um, research this week of a prayer by this guy, and I'm going to butcher his name, Vince Anatucci. I'm pretty sure is how you say his name. Anatucci. Um, so he's a pastor of, a, of, a, of a, uh, I think, a fairly large church, and um, he has this blog and, and this website. And I came across this, and... It's such a beautiful prayer. It's his life prayer. It's his life prayer. And I think this prayer is what it looks like to be like Jesus. And so I want to pray it. I want you guys to hear this. God, I want more. I want to love, cry, smile. 
I want to be radical. I want to pray. I want to sweat blood. I want to feel. I want intimacy. I want passion. I want power, resurrection power. I want to see you. I want to touch heaven. I want to hurt, to suffer. I want to walk, run, and fly. I want to scream. I want to rejoice. I want to laugh till I ache. I want to ache. I want to care. I want to be in the rebellion. I want to lead the rebellion. I want to be the rebellion. I want to live with reckless abandon. I want to be astonished and afraid. I want to dream. I want to see visions. I want to hear the clatter of dry bones coming together. I want good friends. I want to love my enemies. I want holiness. I want to experience the sacred and the divine. I want to hollow your name. I want to walk on water. I want to dance on water. I want to touch the sick. I want to experience their pain. I want to heal them. I want truth. I want to be set free. I want to be hungry and I want to be full. I want the spirit. I want to drink the spirit. I want to be falling down drunk on the Holy Spirit. I want guidance, directions, discernment, wisdom. I want to be a warrior. I want to never look back, turn back, or go back. I want to attack. I want to cause trouble. I want to induce fear. I want to turn the world upside down. I want to pour myself out and pour myself into today like there's no tomorrow. I want to be comforted. I want to thirst for righteousness. I want to be an agent of justice. I want to shine. I want to blaze. I want to bathe in grace. I want beauty from my ashes. I want to seek first the kingdom. I want to bring the kingdom. I want the kingdom to fill me up and spill me out. I want to carry the cross till my legs burn and my shoulder bleeds. I want to see the tomb empty. I want Jesus lifted up, easy to see, leading my life, overwhelming my life with his life. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. And when you hear that prayer, does that do something inside you? Does that churn your heart? Have you ever prayed anything like that? And if you did, what happened? Because I think if you pray this and you pray that fervently and from the heart, how can that not be dangerous? That's a prayer and living that prayer like this world has never seen. And if the people of God started living like that and praying like that, my God, this would be a different place. Your life would be radically different. And if you have never prayed anything like that, why not? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of your life being too altered, too much like Jesus? Is that a thing? And why are you afraid of that? Are you too comfortable? Are you too complacent? It should make you nervous. Hearing that prayer should do something in us that says, yes, every time I read it, every time I look at that, reading it out loud makes me go, yes, oh God, no. <laughs> because by doing that, by wanting that, by seeking that, means I have to be a part of that. I can't just say, Lord, bring your kingdom here and not be a part of it. I can't just say, Lord, I want justice and not be a part of it. That means my life drastically transforms. And we live comfortably and it's really hard. And so, Make me more like Jesus. What does that mean? What does becoming more like Jesus look like? Is it, I mean, we wear, we've seen people, and maybe you wear the WWJD bracelet, what would Jesus do? 
And we're supposed to look at that and go, what would Jesus do in this situation? I know. Thank you, Lord. And then we do it. <laughs> right? We're supposed to do stuff like that. Um, or maybe you've seen, maybe you have this bumper sticker on your car. It's the he greater than I sign. But do you really want that? Do you really want him to be greater than you? Do you really want more of him and less of you? Because that's what this prayer is. Make me more like you. And it comes from John chapter 3, verse 30. That's where that he greater than I thing, some of you guys have that even as a tattoo. And that verse is simply, he must increase, I, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. And that's John the Baptist saying this. John had created a following and people knew that if they went and saw John, that there would be some really cool things that he, they would hear. And he was a very zealous dude, a very weird dude, but a very zealous dude. And people would flock and try to, he was countercultural. I want to be around somebody like that because everyone's going this way and he's claiming, screaming out this other thing. He's screaming out, repent for the kingdom is near. What does that mean? It's provocative. Let's get around this guy. And people became followers of John. And now Jesus is on the scene. And John recognizes that Jesus is the one that they've been anticipating, the Messiah, the one that was going to radically flip everything upside down. And there was people following Jesus and some people following John. And he's like, okay, don't follow me. Less of me, more of Jesus. I need to get out the way. You need to follow him. He's the one you've been anticipating, expecting. He's the one that will transform your life. You think I'm radical? Follow him for a day or two and see what happens to your life. He must increase, but I must decrease. Because you can't have God increase unless you decrease. Because if John said, oh, let's let Jesus increase, but I also want to go along with him, then, then there's going to be this tension, some, some conflict there. Because people are already creating that conflict. Who do we follow? What do we do? So John immediately recognized that and says, let me get out the way. Now, Paul put it this way, Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, so it's his letter to the church in Ephesus, and he writes this, imitate God, therefore in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. In the message translation, at the end, it ends with love like that. Love like that. How do I love like Jesus? Like this. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. So in other words, imitate God. How do I imitate God? Follow the example of Jesus. That's what it looks like. It's a dangerous prayer. It's a dangerous statement of what that looks like, to imitate Jesus, to be like Jesus. And I love this because it says, in offer, Jesus offered himself, as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. A pleasing aroma to God. Jesus, his life, was a pleasant aroma. If you and I are honest, our life kind of stinks. Our life kind of stinks without Jesus. And when we become like Jesus, everything seems to smell better, taste better, look better. It's harder, but it's better. Jesus doesn't promise easy, just better. And his better is better than your better. Plain and simple. 
even when you think it's different. So what does it mean to love like that, to love like Jesus? Well, the example of Christ is to become more compassionate, to be more loving, to be a better servant, right? To, uh, to be more available. That's Jesus' example. When we read the, the Gospels, with our, which are the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when we read the life of Jesus, it's those things. He seems to be a person of compassion, who loves, who forgives. So, Jesus, make me more like you. I want to be more compassionate. I want to be more loving. I want to forgive more. I want to be more available. What's so dangerous about that? That, doesn't sound, that sounds great. Those are all really great things. Well, let's look into what that looks like to be compassionate like Jesus, to be loving like Jesus, to be available like Jesus, to be forgiving like Jesus. This is where it gets into the nitty-gritty, and this is where we start to go like, ooh, that makes me a little uncomfortable, and it should. So, Jesus, I want to be like you. I want to be more compassionate. Maybe you've prayed that prayer. You've heard me talk a lot about compassion. I say a lot about err on the side of compassion. When I get to heaven and, I, and I'm face-to-face with God, and I'm okay if God says, you know, Dave, you gave a little bit too much grace, to be honest. I mean... It's a little frustrating. I'm okay if that happens. Obviously, I don't think that'll be the case, but I want to err on the side of compassion, even though judgment is necessary in certain, in certain instances, but I'd rather err on the side of compassion. So, but compassion like Jesus means getting dirty. It's getting dirty because we see this in Mark chapter 1. It says, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. Now, leprosy is this really gross disease and still exists today, uh, not obviously in, in the States, um, but in more developing countries like in India. Um, and, and it's a really awful disease. I mean, you're, it's literally just kind of your skin becomes uh, deadened by, the, uh, by your, your nerves and, and you can't feel it. And so um, it, it kind of dies off your nerve endings and your skin and that kind of stuff. And so it, it kind of dies off starting from the extremities and, and going, uh, going in. And so, you know, somebody might, you know, uh, their nose might literally fall off because they might, you know, hit it and they can't feel it and it would fall off. Or like fingers would, you know, it's just, it's a really disgusting, gross, and you could see it on somebody. It wasn't like this hidden disease. If someone had leprosy, you could see it. And they were basically forbidden from community. They could not enter into anything. It was best, if you had leprosy, you were as unholy as it gets. You belong outside of, of any community, outside of the gates. You cannot come in. Let alone walk up to somebody and say, can you heal me? Can you even get, you can't even ask for a cup of water. And so this guy goes up to Jesus, and he kneels, and he says this, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. And it says this, moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared, and the man was healed. Now, Jesus could have easily been like, ew, uh, okay, uh, healed, go. Okay, go away. Oh, much better. Okay, now give me a hug. I do that to my kids sometimes. They sneeze, and I'm like, ew, uh, okay, get something. Go wipe that away. Okay, now love me. But no, Jesus says, I am willing, moved with compassion. Compassion is not a thought or a feeling. It's an action. It requires getting dirty. You can't just think compassionate thoughts and feel compassionate feelings. It means you're moved to action, and you have to do something, and it might mean reaching out and touching 
and hugging and embracing something that makes you completely uncomfortable. The rest of the world would have looked at Jesus like, you are crazy touching him. You will catch leprosy if you do that. Why on earth would you reach out and touch him? But Jesus moves with compassion, compelled to the point of he could do nothing else except reach out. He said, of course, I'm willing. And he touched him, and he was healed. And I wonder, now you and I don't have the God-like, miraculous ability necessarily, but sometimes touch is so healing. For somebody who has had harmful touch all their life, healing touch is necessary. Harmful words all their life and a healing word is necessary. Harmful glances all their life and a healing glance and a smile is so necessary. Because moved with compassion, I cannot not do this. That's what compassion is. You want to be like Jesus? You got to get dirty. Okay, Lord, I want to be more like you. Make me, I want to be more servant-minded. I want to be a better servant of you. I want to serve you, whatever that means. Well, Jesus says it means this. For the Son of Man came to not, uh, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. In other words, it's intentional powerlessness. The world we live in, the society we live in is all about power. Sex, money, and power, to be more specific, but power. To choose to give up power, to be powerless, is an intentional thought, an intentional action. You can't just roll into being powerless unless somebody is oppressing you. But when you're truly choosing servanthood, to serve another is saying, I am beneath you. I am serving you. Now, a wise man once said, Oswald Chambers said, everyone wants to be a servant until treated like one. That's so true. So to pray this prayer, Jesus, I just want to be like you. I want to be a, a better servant. Don't treat me like that. Hey, respect me. Do you know who I am? Hey, I have, hey, treat me with some fairness here. If you're asking to be a servant, that's not about fairness. Servants don't demand fairness. They submit. Now, I'm not talking about mistreat people or you should be mistreated. That's not what I'm saying. That's injustice. But to serve another, even when they're mistreating you, is an act of Jesus. But only with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because everything in us wants to fight against that. So if you pray, Lord, I want to be like you. I want to be a better servant which includes things like we actually heard it just last week from Rusty if you went to church and it was the idea of washing the disciples' feet. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Now, you, if I said, hey guys, like everybody line up, I'm gonna wash your feet. You'd be like, no, no, don't touch my feet. I, that's gross, right? I mean, some of you might you know, be like, okay, oh, give me a massage, okay. <laughs> but a lot of us, that's really gross to touch someone's feet. But even grosser back then, because everyone had sandals and walking in dirt, and, and they were just really, really gross. And it was it, it, the best way for me to kind of compare that um, is similar to when my dad was dying, and I talk about that uh, uh, every once in a while, and um, my dad was basically bedridden, and my brother and I had to help him go to the bathroom several times. Had to even give him a shower one time. 
and it was serving my dad, and I didn't sit there and go, this is so gross, ew. No, there was something so beautiful about being able to serve my dad that way because Jesus had transformed my heart. That to serve in that way is like Jesus. It's not gross. It's intentional powerlessness. Okay, Lord, make me more like you. I want to be more loving. The example of Jesus, imitate God. I want to be more loving. Even if that means loving your enemies, because that's what Jesus talks about. Well, that's kind of where I draw the line. Make me like you up until that line, and I'm good. This is what Jesus says in uh, Matthew chapter 5. He says this, You're familiar with the old written law, love your friend, and its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with energies of prayer, and then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless the good and bad, the nice and nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In a word, what I'm saying is grow up. Your kingdom subjects, now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives towards you. Now, that's the message version, and it's beautiful. Live out your God-created selves, having love and grace even towards those who hurt, hate, despise you. That's, I don't think anybody in this room would be like, yeah, I've done that so easy, check. So cinchy. No, that's virtually impossible apart from Jesus. Jesus says, love your enemies. Grow up your kingdom subjects. We belong in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, to advance the kingdom, means loving outside of the kingdom those who despise the kingdom and its subjects. I love this organization called Preemptive Love. I've been posting about it on Facebook if, you, if, if we're friends. Um, this guy, Jeremy Courtney, I don't have time to get all into all this stuff, but um, man, I, when I grow up, I want to be like Jeremy Courtney. Uh, I think he's a little bit younger than me or maybe my age, but I want to be like him when I grow up. He is a dude who basically uh, grew up in Texas and, and just had this sense of loving outside of uh, of, of the walls that we would consider lovable. And he moved his wife and newborn baby to Iraq and lived there and still lives there now to demonstrate not going around showing, hey, you need Jesus, you need Jesus, but did it in a way that uh, if you listen to it's a it's a book called Preemptive Love and the organization called Preemptive Love, it's unbelievable. My wife and I, we've never been more proud to support an organization than we are to support Jeremy Courtney and the work that he's doing in Iraq. He literally, and right now in uh, Mosul, where, where like, I mean, I mean they will, there's, ISIS is there and snipers and it's crazy and he's delivering food and water and health, uh, you know, supplies and, and giving actually life-saving saving surgery at one point, he even did a life, he doesn't do it himself, they uh, raised the money, they even did a life-saving surgery for an al-Qaeda terrorist's son. 
Now, you have to hear the whole story about what, why, and how. The kid was four years old and what that looks like, but that is loving outside of the boundaries of what you and I know as love. That is, he takes this, Mark chapter 5, and he says, if I'm not doing this, I'm not like Jesus. And he doesn't do it so everyone goes, hey, look at me, look how much like Jesus I am. No, because he's compelled, he has compassion, and he's serving, and he says, who else is going to do this? Otherwise, it's us against them. And he blurs that line and says, there is no us versus them. It's just loving beyond enemy lines, risking his life with his daughter and his wife. It's unbelievable. And that should stir us and go, oh my gosh, what? I couldn't do that. What do I do? What can you do, though? You may not move to Iraq. We all have the ability to influence change. Some one person's life, some an entire country, and some the world. You and I fall somewhere in that spectrum. And to be like Jesus, to change the world, means loving your enemies. Okay, Jesus, I want to be more forgiving. I want to forgive those who've hurt me. Okay, make me more like you. Just magically take away the hurt, take away the pain so I can forgive. Wouldn't that be an easy prayer? The dangerous prayer is if you want to be more forgiving, the hurt doesn't go away. You forgive anyway. But they haven't said I'm sorry. I know. You forgive anyway. Kind of like when I died on the cross for you. Before you said, I'm sorry. Before you said, forgive me. Before you said, I want you. It's forgiving unconditionally. Unconditional forgiveness. We talk about unconditional love, which requires unconditional forgiveness. You and I probably forgive pretty conditionally. Reese, when, when, she, uh, when she hurts Brinley and then I get her, in, she, she's in trouble now, and then I'll say, now go say you're sorry. She'll go say, sorry, Brinley. And then Brinley doesn't, isn't ready to forgive. And then she goes, daddy, daddy, she won't forgive me. She won't forgive me, daddy. And then gets really, really upset. And I said, she doesn't have to. You can't force someone to forgive. She's two. <laughs> Y'all ain't two. I'm not two. You can't force me to forgive, but there's this choice to forgive unconditionally. You can't force me to love my enemies, but there's this choice, if I want to be like Jesus, to love my enemies. You can't, choose me to, you can't force me to submit to you. That's oppressive. That's slavery. But I can choose to serve you. You can't force me to have compassion on the hurt and the pain in the world. But I can choose to get dirty. And the last thing is, Lord, just make me more available. I want to be more available like you. I know I'm busy and I say that all the time, but I want to be more available like you. And that means observe the interruption. All throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus on his way to do something and someone interrupts. And he doesn't go, excuse me, got to go. No, he observes the interruption. He pays attention. At one point, a woman who had been bleeding, touches him hiddenly and secretly and runs back and tries to hide again. And Jesus stops on his way to heal a very prominent person's daughter. And he stops and says, who touched me? Who, who, what's, wait, 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 something happened and I must find her. Where is she? Where are you? Because he knew he had to restore her holistically. She may have been healed physically, but he had to restore her holistically. And he says, daughter, 
Your faith has healed you. And that's probably the first time ever in 12 years or so that she had been called daughter. And he heals her, not just figuratively, but holistically. Because he observed the interruption. And yes, you and I are busy and we have things to do. And even important things like go to church and go to life group and, and maybe even in our prayer time or maybe even our devotional time. And we get that text that says, can you talk right now? Or, or we get that friend that says, hey, can, we, can you come over? Can we have coffee? And that person's really draining in your life. And you say, but I would rather go to the bridge and have this really uplifting worship time. But maybe you need to observe the interruption. Less of me, more of you. He must increase, I must decrease. If you mean it, it's a dangerous prayer. And so what does this require? Well, it requires three things. If we want to live like that, if we're saying, okay, I know that's scary, and everything you said, okay, that kind of makes me squirm a little bit. But, but of course, of course I want that. I just don't know if I feel that, and if I'm only driven by my feelings, then you will probably stay where you're at. Amen? What you need to do is get beyond your feelings. And it requires three things if you want to pray this prayer successfully. Number one, surrender. Surrender. Philippians 2, verse 5 through 8 says this, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and died a criminal's death on a cross. He wasn't a criminal, but he died a criminal's death. People who hung on a cross were those who were criminals, the, the corporal punishment of the day. He took on the humble position of a slave. Though he was God, though he is God, the power wasn't something that he clung to because the power wasn't what was going to restore you and I. It was this surrender. And so what that looks like is we need to maybe surrender our pride, which is humility. And we see that, that he took on this humility, this humble position, and not fake humility, like, oh, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> No, humble humanity, lowliness. So we sacrifice, surrender our pride for humility. We surrender ourself to become more others-centered. Less self-centered, more others-centered. The only way to do that is to surrender self, surrender what you want, what you desire, what you think you need. You surrender your plans for God's will for God's plans for you, for God's desire for humanity, for the kingdom to advance, is surrendering your plans. It's surrendering the comfort that you and I live in, which is not very safe. If we surrender comfort, we live pretty safely. We live very safely in awesome town. And those of you guys that don't live in awesome town, by the way, that's a, not a real term, it's a joke, but it was something that came out in uh, kind of a real estate world. But it's kind of the idea that everybody kind of was like, yeah, this is kind of awesome town. Very little crime. You know, everybody kind of seems to, everyone kind of gets along. People kind of think similarly. It's, it's great. It's a great community. Santa Clarita is awesome. It really is. But it's safe. 
the kingdom of God is not always safe. In fact, I'd almost say rarely is. Ask Jeremy Courtney if it's safe. He's advancing the kingdom of God in a pretty unsafe way, but he can't not not do it. He surrendered himself, his plans, his pride, his will. So the second thing we need to do is after surrender is we need, we need the Holy Spirit. It sounds pretty simple. <laughs> it sounds pretty obvious. But we can't be like Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit. Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, prayed slash read this as he unrolled the scroll, and he said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim, to, uh, proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Very early on, he says, this, this is my mission. This is what the Spirit of God is doing. You can't be like Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's going to lead you to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release of the captives, sight to the blind, and the oppressed go free. He was reading from Isaiah chapter, uh, chapter 61. It said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance to our God, to comfort all who mourn. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He gives you the ability to surrender. He gives you the ability to have compassion that gets dirty. He gives you the ability to love your enemies because apart from the Holy Spirit, you and I are not capable of doing that. Our self, our, our flesh won't let us do that. But the Holy Spirit does something drastically different in our lives. And the third thing is, so we need to surrender and we need the Holy Spirit. The third thing is, you're not going to like it. But the third thing is, we need brokenness. It requires brokenness in order to become more like Jesus. God must break us in order to make us more like him. God must break us in order to make us more like him. How can you and I heal the brokenhearted without being brokenhearted? How can we set captives free if we're not captivated by God's heart? How can we do that? If the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do these things, if the Holy Spirit wants me to have the heart like Jesus in order for me to do these things, how can we do those things if we're not broken? We have to break our pride. We have to break our selfishness. We have to break our, all the things that really distort our relationship with God and cause conflict and tension. There's a, uh, I want to give you guys a brief story of this guy, Robert Pierce, who I believe had all three of these things and really lived like Jesus. How many of you guys have heard of Robert Pierce? Okay, a couple of you guys. Great. How many of you guys have heard of World Vision? A lot more of you guys. Or Samaritan's Purse. Okay. So Robert Pierce is the guy who started both those organizations. And so what it was was Robert Pierce uh, you know, basically went, he was working for Youth for Christ, and he went out to Asia and saw devastation everywhere, saw hunger 
saw brokenness, saw just immense, immense need, and he was compelled. He was compelled. He could not leave the country and not do anything about it, similar to Jeremy Courtney. And he came back, and he had this, okay, this is my dream, this is my vision. I'm going to make sure that all those Christians back in, in America, that they know about this, and they're going to do something about it. We saw that also happen later on, Invisible Children was something that had a big movement that went on, and is still going on. So he came back, and in 1950, he started World Vision. And specifically, really, uh, mostly in, in Korea after the Korean War, and was really trying to, trying to uh, do some things out there. And, and then it just it, it blew up in a, in a great way, and now it's, it's all over. And maybe some of you guys sponsor a, a kid from World Vision. We have one, little Juana from Mexico, because of Robert Pierce, who had surrendered his life. He obviously had the Holy Spirit because that compassion that said, I can't not not do something about this. And his heart broke. And he had prayed. Before all that happened, he said, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Break my heart for what breaks yours. And because he prayed that prayer, which is a very dangerous prayer, make me more like you, he started an organization that is feeding and helping thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people in this world. And then later on, he had, he had the Leave World Vision, and then he started Samaritan's Purse, which is a similar organization, but does some other things. And they're in Iraq, and they're doing some things in the Middle East. All from this guy that you and I don't really know, haven't really heard of, some of you guys have, don't really know his story. Why? Because he was humble. He took on the humble position of a servant. He didn't say, okay, now let my name be known. Glory to Robert Pierce. I started these organizations. No, he said, no, just something needs to be done. Less of me, more of you. Just let me be available for this world to be different. Kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He took that literally and had the heart of Jesus. What breaks God's heart? Things like injustice. Things like ignorance breaks God's heart. When we ignore what is right and choose not to learn about it, when you choose to live in ignorance, I think that breaks God's heart. Death breaks God's heart. If you've experienced death, you know how much that breaks your heart. It breaks God's heart. Oppression, discrimination, devaluing others breaks God's heart. Break my heart for what breaks yours. What breaks your heart? Have you prayed that prayer? Do you want to be more like Jesus? Well, as I close, here's the good news. Being like Jesus requires a broken heart. The good news is, many of you in this room have a broken heart. Your heart is broken and you came here tonight looking for something that was going to heal and restore. You weren't exactly looking for the message of conviction and message of go do something about this broken world that we live in. Sorry. But the good news is, you're like Jesus if you have a broken heart. But the challenge is to ask God to break your heart for what breaks his, not what just simply breaks yours. Not just for a loved one that's lost, or not just for a broken relationship that you had better dreams and aspirations, or not just for a job or a school that you really hoped to be in, but something bigger, something greater, something grander. Let God break your heart for that. That other stuff, you won't even care as much about. 
because there's bigger things that need to be accomplished, and you and I get to accomplish those things. Allow God to restore and heal your brokenness in and through you. The good news is, is that being like Jesus requires surrender. Many of us in this room are at breaking point and ready to surrender. We're ready to give up. We don't want to go on any further. Life is hard. Life, life has beaten us down. It's a miracle that I even walked in this room tonight with everything that's going on. When it rains, it pours is truly my life motto right now. You don't understand, Dave. This is the last thing I need to hear. Yeah, yeah, the world has problems, but so do I. I'm ready to give up. My advice to you, give up. Surrender. Wave the white flag. Not to the enemy. Not to the enemy. Not to the lies that have been telling you that you're insignificant and you don't matter. But to the Holy Spirit who wants to restore you, who wants to rebuild you, who wants to remake you, who wants to change the world in and through you, change your world and flip it upside down, but also change the world. And you and I get to be a part of that. So give up. Give up your pride. Give up all the things that you know don't matter in the big scheme of things. And I'm not minimizing your pain. If you are going through a lot of pain, I do not mean to minimize that in any way. And if you need help and counseling, let us help you. Let us give you some referrals. Let us give you a mentor. Pray tonight afterwards in the prayer zone with a mentor and ask for healing because you need to be healthy in order to go heal others. So I'm not minimizing your pain. But give that up. Surrender. You're already ready to do it. Just give it to God, not to the enemy. And the last part is being like Jesus requires the Holy Spirit. And that's not a personal behavior modification. That's not, okay, Holy Spirit, okay, now I'm ready. Okay, now I'm going to change my life. No, no, no. That's you still doing it. It's not a personal behavior modification. It's not trying harder. But it's a truly broken and surrendered heart to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit, is what that looks like. Who wants to pray this dangerous prayer with me? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are a God that doesn't give up on us, that doesn't run the other direction when we pray a prayer like make me more like you, but yet we don't look anything like you. And so God, I pray that us in this room tonight and those who listen to this message at any point would be challenged to become more like you, to surrender, to experience true brokenness over what breaks your heart and to give our life over to you, Holy Spirit. And I pray that we would want more that we would not sit in our complacency of what we've become, but that we would truly become like you and get dirty, love our enemies, become more available. Pray that that becomes real tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm gonna give you guys about 15 minutes to just get in uh, small groups of groups of six to eight, just wherever you're sitting right now, just kind of turn your chairs around, make sure you can kind of include everybody that's sitting around you. Uh, and just kick around, send up somebody to come be the facilitator and they can ask these questions. And then in about 15 minutes, we'll move on to the next thing.